0: Good morning, Tim. It's good to be with you as always.
1: First off, congratulations on the book. I, I say you finished it. I did, the editors finished it. Is it the same book you wrote it? the editors do a number on it? I'm always fascinated with that process. <laughs>
0: Uh, I didn't really I only thought that red pens still existed in my eleventh uh, grade English <laughs> teacher's class. I I never knew that I was that illiterate until they started sending this stuff back. Uh, but it, the, the basics all ended up okay. They just they just put it in better form.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the book dealing with uh, and there were obviously two Trump impeachments: the knucklehead thing after he left office, the equally knucklehead thing though that dealt with Russia and Ukraine, that whole business. side, yep. uh, And events in recent days. I mean, talk about. Good timing for you and your book. Here comes, I would say, confirmation of what you write about in your book, and confirmation of what many of us suspected all along. The whole thing feeds from the Steele dossier. The Steel dossier, a complete and utter fabrication.
0: Yep, it is. In fact, if I if probably if I went back on it now, instead of naming it the clock and the calendar, I'd have probably named it. Yep, see, we told you so. <laughs> um, because this, is, we, the thing about it is, is we were seeing this early on, and what really infuriated me was the statements here recently uh, about the fact that they didn't know this was going on. Look, Jim Comey, Peter Truck, Andrew McCabe, they all knew this was, that, the, that they had compromised uh, information in the deal dossier, but yet they kept going on and on with it. And Adam Schiff in Congress, you know again, after he knew that it was false, it, it all goes back to the premise, and that's what I write about in the book. They were willing to do anything because they were obsessed with Donald Trump. They could not believe that he beat Hillary Clinton. And they were willing to do anything to tarnish him and to get him out of office.
1: You know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank suddenly, but I'm remembering President Eisenhower reading about him uh, the the incident with the spy plane that that, that was captured and 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 he <laughs> first denied it, right? No, there's no spy plane. And finally, when the the I was the Soviets, right, presented the plane. Who was the pilot? Gary <laughs> Steele or something? Presented the plane. Yep, you got yeah. me. You got me. I, I can't lie about this anymore. Yep, it was a spy. It's ours. And he he just admitted the whole thing. I'm thinking of him, and I'm thinking of Schiff, Adam Schiff, out there in California. Again, the hand in the cookie jar, just straight up, we got you. And he's still out there saying he would have done everything the same way.
0: Yeah, it's just amazing. And I think this is this is something in the book, Tim, that I point out that the the Democrats, especially over the last few years, and I'm not saying for all time, but especially over the last few years, in dealing with anything Trump-related, they were willing to set aside fact, they were willing to set aside rules, procedures, anything to get to that narrative. And the clock in the calendar actually talked about that because they had a time frame because they wanted to beat him in the last election. But for, for the Washington Post to start correcting articles uh, and Adam Schiff to still say, oh, I've done everything the same, it just shows that there's a disconnect between Congress right now. And I'm sort of in generalizing, not just Adam Schiff and others, that their realization that people do listen and words matter – and they just feel like it doesn't because they're getting a lot of help from the mainstream media, to be honest.
1: Uh, Doug Collins, again, former Congressman Doug Collins, the book, the clock, and the calendar dealing with all this and out there now. Okay, the, the Durham investigation still out there. Where do we think – where do you hope this goes?
0: I hope that we don't – I hope uh, John Durham doesn't stop where he's at. For, what happens sometimes is you get some low-level operatives, you know, the Klein Smith, the, the, the Chinoffs, the, the ones that have been indicted so far – but the realization here for your listeners this morning is they could not have done what they did without approval from higher up. So my hope is, is – and I think there's some concern going around. I'm getting the work, you know, some back-channel word that the, the Strucks and the Comeys and the McCaves are worried about this. Because, and remember, they were the ones that signed off on the warrants that went to the FISA court. They were the ones – that kept the investigations going. So I think John Durham is deliberate. He's like a, you know, to use an Athens analogy, he's a bulldog who's got a hunk on a bone and he ain't letting it go. And my hope is that this will continue but through the end of the year, I think it's going to speed up a little bit now, but I think by through the end of the year, first year, you're going to probably see some more indictments, and I think with some bigger names attached to
1: it. And one more thing on the book, Congressman Collins, and correct my failing memory if it's wrong, it's not just that you were some backbencher in Congress watching all this and, and writing a book afterwards. You were on the Judiciary Committee, House Judiciary and I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, the ranking Republican on that committee? Yes,
0: I was top Republican through this whole thing, and that, and that uh, which is why I wrote the book because I knew that there was going to be a lot of reporters, there's going to be others who wrote books about this. I wanted to give the average person in Gainesville and Athens and Brazelton and everybody just an up close look at what it's like for for somebody just like them to get to be able to sit at the front row of history. And so when they read the book, it's going to be a very conversational style. I talk about. You know not just the Mueller hearings, but I talk about you know how we got set up for the hearings, how we how we prepped our members, how we how I became ranking member of the committee. So it's going to be a, just a, a very uh, conversational first hand look at those events of those few years. And I think people hopefully will get a lot out of it. A
1: couple other things quickly, uh, former Congressman Doug Collins here. And I don't mean to brag about, you know, how much money I make here, but uh, yesterday, for example, I went out and I bought not only gasoline but groceries. I mean, I'm in pretty high cotton here. Uh, It's hard to pay for both those things these days. Uh, And now we have a Congress with some Republicans complicit, evidently, who who want to print up more money and make the inflation even worse, and a president who says he's actually going to make it better by doing all this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I just wish right now, and I, I've actually thought about using what little extra I've saved away, you know, during the economies of the last few years, and buying a basic economics book and sending it to Joe Biden and to Jen Psaki, the press secretary, because I, you know the, the elitism that's coming out from them and discussing, oh, don't worry, and, you know, inflation—it doesn't mean anything—and you're just worried about you know the grocery price. Look, this is what happens to real people in real time, and I think this is what will happen to the Democrats. Uh, even people who don't pay attention to politics realize when that gas price goes up. They realize when the milk price goes up. They realize when the, the bacon price goes up. And this is what's driving America, and there's a complete detachment from the White House to the real America right now. Well,
1: I, you're starting to hear, I think it was Charles Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, earlier this week, say, yeah, let's tap into that petroleum reserve. You know it's getting bad. You know it's starting <laughs> to hurt them in the polling department when they start noticing.
0: Oh, exactly right. And, 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 and what bothers me the most is it, they want to complain about the gas prices, but yet the very things that the Biden administration did, first thing, shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Now they're trying to shut down Line 5 in Michigan, all while letting, letting Russia put their pipeline in through to Eastern Europe. This is, I mean, it's just a hypocrisy that keeps coming back. And, you know, then to, to, to cut our, I mean, where we were energy independent, now we're getting energy dependent again and having to go beg OPEC. I mean, Tim, does that not sound like another Georgia person from the late 70s who's begging OPEC to help
1: us? <laughs> uh, it does ring a bell, which pre- and a lot of people pointing to this. We just saw what happened on uh, the elections uh, a couple of weeks ago, Virginia, most notably other places, and people pointing to polling, uh, the, the, the the generic poll in the House, for example. Nobody's ever seen Republicans up 10. They are now. Thinking that the oh. midterms could be pretty good in 2022, I worry that it's too soon to spike the ball here. We're on the five-yard line, but we're not— the end zone yet uh what's your read on what could happen next year
0: yeah i think that what could happen is very good what i want our folks to focus on is though is i I'm, i want want one of the reasons why i'm doing the media and stuff that i'm doing and the podcast and everything else is, is i want conservatives to realize you've got to convince people again to not be disconnected from what they they're looking at virginia showed us that um that that you need to understand that the voters always have the last word and I think spending the next year talking about the fact that, number one, here's what we're, we want to do and here's what we're going to do, I think is better than just saying Joe Biden's bad, Democrats are terrible, AOC's ruling the country. Let's get back to just winning these elections and, and focusing, keeping our heads out.
1: Right, Congressman Doug Cozzi, we've plugged the book, The Clock in the calendar. You mentioned the podcast. What and where do we find that? You can
0: – anywhere you download your podcast, the Doug Collins podcast. And it's, it's – it's what we've tried to do, Tim, with it is it's, a, it's political, but it's also very lifestyle-oriented. So, like, if I have – you know, J- I had Jason Chaffetz on the other day, and, and we talked about how he got into politics. I want it to be the fact that conservatives have a life, because I've seen too many times in the media where conservatives are portrayed almost with horns on their head, because but we're never portrayed as, as actual human beings who go through life and have those things. So, it's, it's a neat podcast. We've had Chan Gailey, former head coach at mm. Tech, and at Dallas, Uh, It's just a fun time, but anywhere you get your podcast, the Doug Collins Podcast.
1: All right, Congressman Doug Collins, former Congressman Collins. The book, the clock, and the calendar are out there now. Thanks for your time this morning. Best of luck with the book, and happy holidays if we don't talk again between now and Christmas, Thanksgiving.
0: You as well, Tim. Take care, buddy.